you to take your Bibles there with me tonight, Luke chapter number 18, and uh, let's look together <clears throat> at verse number 9, Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 9, if you will, and if you locate that in your Bible, let's stand together as we look to the Word of God, Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 9. Bible says, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You can be seated. Thank you for standing with us. Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for the opportunity and the privilege to stand God, we, Lord, thank you for the Word of God, and we thank you, God, for, Lord, the opportunity, Lord, to preach it tonight. And I thank you, Lord, for what we've already heard. Lord, thank you, God, for the good Spirit of God, Lord, that we felt, Lord, in the worship. God, we trust, and Lord, we know that you've been magnified tonight. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd help us to do the same, Lord, as we stand to preach tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us unction. God, give us liberty. Give us power. Lord, you know, God, I'm just a man. Lord, I can't say anything that help anybody. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd touch us tonight. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for our home church. We thank you, Lord. It's good to see, God, these faces again. And, Lord, these smiles, we appreciate, Lord, the people of God. God, we thank you, Lord, for our pastor tonight. Lord, we pray that you'd bless him, touch him as he preaches tonight. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd have your will and way here in the service. God, we ask it and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Luke chapter number 18, we find that Jesus is speaking a parable, and we know this will not cover all the groundwork to determine and to uh, say what that is. We know this, that a parable was simply just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It was a carnal idea or a carnal story uh, that had spiritual connotation and spiritual help. And Jesus oftentimes spoke or taught or preached in parables. And here we find the same thing is happening uh, and he's talking to the Pharisees. The Bible tells us in verse number 9 here, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and then Jesus uh, implores their attention, in fact, by talking about them and mentioning one of them in the story. He said in verse number 10, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Now, you go on in the story and you see that this man, uh, this Pharisee is exalting himself and we see uh, that he's full of pride and we'll say more about that in just a few moments. But uh, number one, by way of introduction, I want you to see this. I want you to see this, that this Pharisee's pride was disgusting. His pride was disgusting. Look what the Bible has to say in verse number 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, 
God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He goes as far to even point to that man, I believe, and points him out so that everybody else can hear him. You put in your mind's eye where they're at. These two men are standing in the temple. They're standing in the place of worship. And this Pharisee is crying aloud. He said, I'm glad that I'm not an adulterer. I'm glad I'm not unjust. I'm glad I'm not an extortioner. But you know this tonight, you can be not, well, you can be free from being every single one of those things and still be lost without God. Amen. And that's exactly what this Pharisee proved. His pride was disgusting. Now you put your mind around who these men were. We know the Pharisees. Jesus oftentimes had encounters with them. And the Pharisees rose in the time of the intertestamental period uh, after the Maccabean revolt, Judas Maccabeus. You read Jewish history, you can learn all about that. And the Pharisees rose with this idea in mind that they would try to abide by every jot and every tittle of the law. Well, they tried to do that, but even Paul tells us in the book of Romans that we can't live by the law. No man is able to be justified by the works of the flesh or by the works of the law and the law being our schoolmaster brings us to grace but the Pharisees got the idea that they could keep the law of God and they even went further than that they added their own rules and added their own systems to the law of God while at one point even uh, uh, denying and even forgetting about certain parts of the law of God but then holding firmly to their own rules that they added into the system this Pharisee was full of pride he thought that he was doing God a favor, yet he did not know God. Amen. His pride was disgusting. You ever seen somebody filled with pride? You ever talked to anybody and it was evident that they were in love with themselves, amen? And you begin to talk to them and they tell you about what they've done for God and they tell you about the heights that they've reached in Christendom and boy, your stomach begins to turn and you feel like you're about to lose your lunch. Can I say this tonight? If pride makes you sick and pride makes me sick, uh, then what do you think that pride does to God, amen? Proverbs tells us this, that six things the Lord, hey, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, and pride is listed in that group, amen. His pride was disgusting. And then we see this, the Pharisee's personality was delirious. Look at what verse number 11 continues to say. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Now did you catch that tonight? He prayed thus with himself. And then he mentions God. He said, God, I thank thee that I am not such and such and, and so and so. And he goes on down the list. But the Bible makes clear to tell us tonight that he prayed thus with himself. You say, what's the point of that preacher? Well, this man thought he was talking to God, but God was nowhere to be found. Amen. Look what the Bible goes on to say in verse number 11. He said, he stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men as are extortioners unto just adulterers even as this publican he said I fast twice in the week I give tithes of all that 
I possess. Now listen, this man mentioned himself five times. And this is not a very long prayer, amen. He is consumed with himself. He is delirious in thinking that he can merit favor with God by the works of his own flesh, by his own attitudes, by his own so-called self-righteousness and so-called morality. Listen, the fact of the matter is that he mentioned himself five times in the prayer. He said, I, five times. Hey, I'm telling you, the man had five eyes and he couldn't see a thing tonight. Amen. He mentioned himself five times in this short prayer. God is mentioned once or twice. He had an eye problem. His personality was delirious. But then we see this tonight. His perception was dim. He said, or even as this publican. This man had gone so far in this mockery of a prayer and had gone so far in his pride that he points out this man and he says, I'm not even like this publican. He elevates himself. And you say, what's the point of all what you're saying? I'm going somewhere tonight. We see this, his pride was disgusting, his personality was delirious, his perception was dim, and what he thinks that he is doing, he's calling it prayer. But really all it is tonight is a perversion of prayer. It is a perversion of what God has intended prayer to be. Listen, prayer tonight is communion with God. Prayer tonight is you and I talking with God one-on-one. Thank God we have that opportunity. The veil has been rent in twain. We've been given access to God anytime, any place through the vehicle of prayer. But then we go on to see this, that prayer tonight is worship. And prayer is one of the most intimate forms of worship that you and I can participate in as believers. But what this man does, he takes this sacred act, this communion with God, and he turns it into a perversion. Now there's a whole lot that the Bible tells us about what prayer is. But if we look at this text tonight, there's a great deal of what we can learn about about what prayer is not. Amen. And he took prayer and he made it a perversion. And that's the subject that I want to preach on for just a few moments tonight. Amen. On the perversion of prayer. The perversion of prayer. There are a lot of places in the Bible, as we've already said, that teach us how to talk to God and teach us how to worship and teach us how to draw nigh unto God and come into the throne room of God. But this man... He shows us what not to do. Amen. How do we know that his prayer was perverted? Well, number one, we see this. We see the emptiness involved. The emptiness involved. Look at verse number 12. He said, I fast twice in the week. That's commendable. But then he goes on to say this. He said, I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, wait a minute. There's only a few things that the law of God requires men to tithe off of. In the Old Testament, they were to tithe of their cattle. They were to tithe of their oil. They were to tithe of the wine. They were to tithe of their crops. But nowhere in the law of God does it demand individuals to tithe everything that they had. And he said that. He said, I give tithes of all 
that I possess. You realize this tonight, that this man takes the law of God and he almost in a prideful way, he looks at it and says, you know, that's just not good enough. What God said is not good enough. I've got to go further than that and I've got to go beyond that and I'm going to give tithes of all that I possess. See, he was an extremist. He was trying to make himself look good while on the other hand and on the same token trying to make somebody else look bad with what he had done. But there was some emptiness involved in this man's prayer. He, he boasted about all that he was and boasted about all that he did. And we mentioned just a few moments ago that he mentioned himself and he even went down through the list of things that he was not guilty of. But friend of mine, I want to tell you in the day and hour in which we live, your hairline and your hemline can be right and the exterior can be right and you can please the church and fool the preacher and fool the son school teacher and your heart be as black as a harlot or a dope addict or an adulterer or an extortioner's tonight. Amen. You take the Nazarite. The Nazarite in Numbers chapter number 6. I mentioned this to our church. The Nazarite had a list of things that he could not do. He could not touch the fruit of the vine. He could not cut, touch dead bodies. He could not be around a cemetery or a vineyard. That He could not cut his hair. There were things that he could not do. But you go to number 6 and you look at the very first requirement of the Nazarite. The very first requirement of the Nazarite was this. That they were separate unto the Lord. You realize this tonight that you can separate yourself from everything in this world and I want to take a time out right here and say I'm for Bible separation. Amen. I'm for ecclesiastical separation. Amen. You ought not yoke up with every church in the county. Amen. There ought to be some lines drawn in the sand, some separation when it comes to your walk with God and that we ought to cleanse ourselves from impurity and cleanse ourselves from worldliness. But if we're not careful, we can allow the things that we don't do and allow the things that we uh, maybe pride ourselves in doing exclude us from everybody else. And really, when you look at the outward show, sometimes there's nothing but emptiness on the inside. This man was empty. He had no real relationship with God. One of the tragedies of modern day Christianism is this, is that people come, they sign their name on a card, they join the church because, well, maybe their family did or maybe someone had convinced them that morally it's the right thing to do, but there is no reality with God. There is no real relationship. There is no Holy Ghost on the inside and everything that they do is an outward show and they think they've got everybody pleased, but when they lay down and pillow their head at night, there is an emptiness and there is a void that cannot be filled. You say people try to do religious things to fill a void, sure do. Just like the doper tries the dope needle, just like the fornicator goes with woman after woman after woman trying to fill that void and trying to fill that desire. There are people in church after church after church that try and try and try and try to do the right thing because they think eventually the good is going to outweigh the bad and one day they're going to wake up and God will be pleased. I'm going to tell you something. If the blood misses you, heaven will miss you. Amen. 
It's still the blood and it's still the cross. And that's exactly what the Pharisees could not see. There was an emptiness on the inside. And when Jesus confronted them with the truth, they did not just get under conviction. They did not just get mad about it. But they got, they got infuriated and they hated the fact that He was telling them the truth about who He was. You say, did Annas and Caiaphas know who Jesus was? Let me tell you something. When Jesus healed that leper and he went according to the law of Moses and he showed himself to the high priest, right then they knew that the Messiah had come. Jesus over and over and over again confronted the Pharisees with himself. But they chose their emptiness. They chose their religious system over the Christ of God. There was an emptiness involved. But not only was there emptiness involved, but there was exclusion involved. Verse number 12, or excuse me, rather, the latter part of verse number 11, again, he said, or even as this publican, There was an exclusion when it came to the perversion of prayer. The Bible tells us in verse number 13, And the publican standing afar off. There was a separation. There was an exclusion. In order to understand the reality of this story, we already know who the Pharisees are, but who are the publicans? You know who the publicans were? The publicans were the tax collectors. You have to remember this is Roman occupied Judea. They are under the rule of Caesar. You know what the publicans did? The publicans said this, well, you know, Caesar's the one in charge. I'll work for him. And the Jews despised the publicans. And the Pharisees despised the publicans because in their eyes and really in reality what had happened, the publicans sided with the Gentile government against their own people. They collected money for them. They were the tax collectors. They defiled themselves with Gentile company. They had excluded them on their own selves. But listen, what the pride of the Pharisee did, what should have happened was the Pharisees should have been able to get this man to God. You remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? I can't think of the text where it was, but I think it was when they were trying to get Jesus in entrapment about, the, about Moses, uh, the law of Moses, something having to do maybe with marriage. And they were talking to Jesus, and Jesus looked at the Pharisees, and He said, Have you not read? Now you think about this. The Pharisees wore the Word of God on their clothing. The Pharisees wore phylacteries. Those were little boxes. They wrote out the law of God and they folded them up very nice and put them inside that box and wrapped them around their head and wore the Word of God on their body. What an insult it was to the Pharisees when the the living Word looked to them and said, Have you not read? You've got a man with the Word of God and a little bitty box on his body. You've got a man who has had to memorize the law of God. You have a man with the Word of God and the precepts of the law of God woven and written into his clothing. And you're telling me tonight that he cannot even get this man to God? He excludes him. 
makes him feel guilty about his condition. You didn't have to make this man feel guilty about his condition. He knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly what he was guilty of. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach the Pharisees. He was trying to teach them that it wasn't just all about law and it wasn't all about dogma and it wasn't all about uh, the strictness of the outward appearance and what you can do. It was about grace and it was about mercy. Because really, if you want to be truthful about it, that's exactly what this man needed. He needed mercy and he needed grace. Can I encourage you tonight when you deal with sinners, don't beat them up for who they are. Newsflash, sin or sin. Amen. They do what they have a longing to do. They, they have a yearning to fill that void and they do not even know who Jesus is or how He can fill the void in their heart. But there was exclusion involved. We've all heard those stories and I think some of them are a little bit fabricated but we've all heard them to some extent about somebody will come into the back of a church and you know, everybody will uh, look at them with a dirty look and everything else and they walk back out and they never come back again. We've all heard stories like that, but there's truth to that. Don't scowl at the sinner. Don't kick him while he's down, but help him up. Bring him to Jesus. Amen. I'm, I'm all about come as you are, but I'm not all about staying that way. Amen. Amen. Jesus loves you just like you are. But He loves you too much to let you stay that way. Amen. Alright, there's emptiness involved and then there was exclusion involved in the prayer of the Pharisee. But then, here quickly before we close, I want to look at the prayer of the publican tonight. Amen. The prayer of the publican. The Bible says in verse number 13, And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God... Be merciful to me, a sinner. Notice this, his position. The Bible mentions his eyes. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes. He's standing there in the temple and he's praying and he won't even look at anybody. He won't even look up to heaven. Uh, God knows he wouldn't look over at the Pharisee because he's being condemned. But this man had the right position. Amen. He knew who he was standing before God. And can I say this? Before you ever get up, you've got to get down with God. Amen. You've got to get into the right position. Amen. Too many people say, well, I want a Savior and God loves me just like I am and I can walk out the doors the way I came in. Hey, but the way up with God is down, friend. Amen. Before I ever got saved, I found out I was lost. Amen. God told me I was lost and then He told me He'd save me. Amen. This publican had the right position. But then see this, we see not only his position, but then we see his penitence. The pen, his penitence, the Bible says this, that he would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but he smote upon his breast. He smote upon his breast. He, he, was, try, he was calling out to God. He was trying to get to where God was. But listen, understand this tonight. There was no sacrifice taking place at this time. At this time and this moment in history, Jews were meeting in synagogues. Amen. They were coming to the place there. Uh, where there was no sacrifice. It was leading up to the place where there was no priest. Amen. 
And what this man is a picture of is he's a picture of a New Testament believer. No sacrifice here at the temple. No blood being shed. Just two men, both of them unrighteous. And one calls out for mercy. Can you imagine when Jesus is telling this story? Verse number 14, he's ending the story. He said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Jesus is standing there and he's talking to those Pharisees. And can you imagine the shock on their face? The confusion. They listen to the story and they look at each other and they say, the publican went down to his house justified? They couldn't understand that. You say, what was the difference? The difference was his plea. He said, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Hey, and I want to tell you something, friend. When I got saved, that wasn't the last time I ever prayed that. Amen. There are days that go by that I've got to lift my hands to heaven and say, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. And thank God when you do that, you can go back to the house justified. Amen. Jesus teaches us this lesson. Here's the crux and the, the point of it all. He said, For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. You know what we wonder sometimes? You young men that are preachers, this was a question in my mind so many times. When's it going to be my time? When's God going to let me preach? When's God going to use my life? You know, when am I going to be the next Billy Graham or whatever? You know. But to my amazement, wasn't nobody calling me. Didn't nobody want to hear me preach. They still don't. But the point is, is if you'll hide yourself, if you'll abase yourself. Paul spent 14 years. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody knew his name. He spent 14 years just hanging around the disciples, hanging around those apostles, those men that had seen him and been with him. If you'll get around somebody who's been with him, man, you'll be amazed. They'll start rubbing off on you. And that goes for anybody. That ain't just young people. But everybody wants to be in the limelight. Everybody wants to be exalted. We live in the generation of now. Listen to me, if God gives you the ministry that you want right now, it'll hurt you. But if you'll abase yourself, and I, I know I'm, I'm talking to these young men, these young preachers, but that applies to everybody. If we'll abase ourselves, hey, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth humbleth himself shall be exalted. You know, this publican, he came to the house of God down and out. But when he cried out for mercy, God picked him up and God put him in. Amen. Salvation was experienced on behalf of the publican, but it's sad to say that the Pharisee He left the way he came. He wasn't justified when he went home. And to our knowledge, the best that we know, 
He died in his sins and he went to hell. Say, what was the difference between the publican and the Pharisee? The difference was humility. And the difference was repentance. Amen. And as a child of God, our life, not just sinners, not just talking about coming to God, but every day in our walk with God and our prayer life, we ought to be two things. We ought to be humble and we ought to be repentant. Amen. Let's stand together all over the Lord's house. Maybe you'd like to come tonight, respond in the invitation. The best proposition I can give you tonight for this invitation is that we ought to just have the desire to have a better prayer life. To have a cleaner prayer life. To have a more intimate walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. That publican knew he needed mercy. And when he came with humility and came with repentance, he found it. And he didn't leave the same way he came to the house of God. He got what he needed. You may be here tonight, you may need something. God's got whatever you need. Maybe you're here tonight, you've never been born again, you've never been saved. You do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you died in your sins right now, you'd die and you'd go to hell. Can I tell you something? There was a man named Jesus who went to bloody Calvary and He gave Himself for you. The Bible says He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and with His stripes were healed. He gave Himself at the cross of Calvary. They buried Him in a borrowed tomb and three days later He arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And sinners can be justified if they'll put their faith and their trust in Him. Maybe that's you tonight. I don't know. Wednesday night be a good night as any to get born again and get saved. While they continue to play, you come, do business with the Lord.